Good morning and welcome to Pause and Pray. A chance just to stop what we're doing to pause, to look at scripture. Uh, we're continuing through our series going through Mark's Gospel and today we're looking at Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through to 12. Uh, so you might want to get a Bible um, and grab a coffee or whatever. Uh, find yourself somewhere comfortable to sit down as we look through this passage together and as we think about what God might be saying to us through his word. I'm going to read from verses 1 through to 12. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in the front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, They removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up, take your mat, and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat, and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Well, this is possibly one of the better known healing stories of Jesus. Certainly it's one that I remember from childhood. Vivid memories of the pictures in uh, the childhood books that I read at Sunday school uh, about this story. And, Perhaps it's well known because of the outrageous acts by this uh, paralytic's friends who were prepared to go and uh, destroy a roof of someone's house in order to get to Jesus. But Jesus, uh, we're told, has returned to Capernaum. Uh, That's the scene, if you remember, where he was at uh, Simon Peter's house and uh, healed his mother-in-law and all the city came in the evening to to be healed. So word is... quickly spread that Jesus is back in town uh, and we're told he was at home. Um, There isn't any actual record that Jesus kind of resided permanently in Capernaum so uh, scholars think that probably that is a reference to Peter's house that they were in. But word has got around again and Jesus is back and the crowds are, are gathered and we're told again a similar kind of scene that so many people are gathered there. Uh, that there is literally no room uh, for anyone to squeeze into the house, so they're all crowded round outside. But this time, Mark says Jesus was speaking the word to them, so he wasn't uh, healing all their diseases and sicknesses and illnesses like before. Instead, he was teaching them. But as he is teaching them, uh, these people arrive with their friend who's paralysed, and they arrive carrying him on a mat, and clearly they can't get in the house and I'm always wondering 
you know, why couldn't they get in the house? Why didn't people just, you know, make room for them to come in? But we don't know exactly for whatever reason. Uh, they take upon it, upon themselves to to get to Jesus in this ingenious way. Uh, and of course, houses in those days in Palestine had flat roofs. They were often used. Uh, so they went up to the top of the roof uh, and they dug through the, whole, the roof of the house uh, in order to get to Jesus. That would have taken some time. We're told uh, that, you know, they would have had to remove clay they would probably bits of timber and wood that held the roof together so it wasn't something i imagine particularly quick it wasn't like just opening a trapdoor it would have taken some time uh, particularly to create a large enough hole to get a mat through in order to lower someone down what is amazing is really is their audacity they are so desperate to to see jesus to to bring before Jesus their friend, they're prepared to destroy a roof in the process. Um, what must people have been thinking when they did it? Looking up, wondering what is going on in the ceiling above them. But as they lower the mat down, uh, Jesus sees uh, this person on the mat and he sees what they've done and he sees the length to which they've gone. And we're told uh, that Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. So whatever the crowds saw, probably outrage, disgust that they would do this thing, Jesus kind of uh, rose above all of that and he saw their faith. But what is particularly striking about this story is that he doesn't respond to the immediate need that is set before him. Clearly this man is in, uh, is in desperate need of healing. That is what his friends wanted for him. Uh, and so they bring this person before Jesus in order for him to be healed. But when Jesus looks at him, he then turns to me and says, your sins are forgiven. That wasn't what they'd come for. That wasn't what they were expecting. They were wanting Jesus to heal him. Why, why did he turn and then say, you know, your sins are forgiven? Well, if you listen to last week's uh, and pray. Danny spoke to us about healing and particularly about the, the challenging questions of healing and you know why is it that, that God might heal some and then why uh, sometimes we don't experience hearing, uh, healing. And she reminded us last week and this story again reminds us this week that that actually ultimately Jesus is interested in, in not just temporary healing of physical illness, physical diseases, whatever is going wrong in our bodies. Jesus isn't interested uh, or only interested in this temporary healing, if you like, but actually he is much more interested in the more fundamental healing of our whole selves, our bodies and our spirits. Uh, he is interested in not just the temporary healing, but the eternal healing. And the root of the problem for this person, yes, he was paralyzed, but actually he had a, a more fundamental need. He had a need for his sin to be forgiven, a need that all of us share, a need that rises far above uh, the need for physical healing. We need sin to be forgiven. 
And so Jesus uh, turns to him and addresses this fundamental need and says, your sins are forgiven. And of course, this sends the scribes into a, a bit of a frenzy. They, you know, they say, who does this person think he is pronouncing the forgiveness of sins? You know, only God can pronounce forgiveness of sins. This is blasphemy. Of course, they're right. It is only God who can uh, pronounce forgiveness of sins. Which is why Jesus then goes on to demonstrate exactly who he is. He goes on to demonstrate uh, the fullness of who he is as what well, he says, the Son of Man, but the Son of God. And he says to them, so what is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up and walk? It's a good question because, because really, on one hand, anyone can say your sins are forgiven. Any lunatic can turn to someone and say, I forgive your sins. Uh, there is, of course, no way of, of proving that to be the case, that that person has that authority or power to forgive sin. But to tell someone who is paralysed to get up, pick up their mat and to walk, well, that takes something else. Uh, and so Jesus demonstrates before all the people, demonstrates before the scribes, you know, you, you question whether I have authority to pronounce forgiveness of sins. Well, I'll tell you, I do have authority to tell this person to pick up their mat and to walk. And if you'll accept that I have authority to do that, then, then maybe you'll accept that I also have authority to forgive sin. And of course, they, they didn't accept that. That's what led to his eventual death on the cross. But Jesus demonstrates his power. He demonstrates his authority. And he commands this person to get up and walk. And as we're told, the crowds are absolutely amazed. They glorify God and they say, we have never seen anything like this. So what can we take from this story today? Well, the way it's placed in Mark's Gospel, uh, Mark has this, this kind of gradual unfolding, uh, revealing who the person of Jesus is. And if you think about uh, back to chapter one, we've had this, this unfolding uh, understanding of who Jesus is. And it begins with, with John the Baptist, uh, but also it then takes us to the baptism where Jesus is declared son of God. And then John uh, Mark talks about Jesus' ministry, his healing ministry. And here, uh, here is an illustration of the power and authority that Jesus has. That Jesus isn't just any deluded person who turns to people and says, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus is someone who has the power to command a paralyzed person to, to get up and to walk. <laughs> Excuse me. By choosing what he did, Jesus, Jesus is also taking a risk. Uh, in front of these people, in front of the scribes, he's, he's taken a risk uh, of that charge of blasphemy. Of course, it's a risk that, that took him to the cross. But in doing so, Jesus is revealing who he is. He is the Son of God. He is the one who has authority not just to heal, but to forgive sin. This story also reminds us of 
ultimately Jesus's priorities. A reminder that Danny spoke about last week that that ultimately Jesus is interested in our eternal healing. Ultimately he is interested in the forgiveness of sins. He's interested in God's kingdom coming. It's why when when you see him often he heals someone he he tells people you know go and tell, don't don't go and tell anyone about this. Uh, once uh, last time he was in Capernaum and he healed many people he then he then said to his disciples now let us go away from here because I must go and preach the word because that is why I came. Jesus is interested. He's interested in the bigger picture. He's not just there to to heal temporary diseases and illnesses. He is there for eternal purposes. Think about this I'm reminded of uh, of Paul's famous words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, you know, now we see as if through a, a dimly a dim glass or a glass darkly, then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part, then we shall know fully. What Jesus' healings were, were, were kind of a foretaste of what's to come. They were a small part of what he came to do, which is to bring ultimate healing and wholeness to all of us and to the whole world. Thirdly for the story is for me, it's a wonderful example of, of the audacity of faith and hope. Of course, Barack Obama wrote famously his book, uh, The Audacity of Hope. And here in one sense, we get a, a living, breathing example of that the audacity of the hope that these people had in Jesus to heal, what that took them to do, and their faith in him. And I think for us, as as an example of of this audacious hope and faith in Jesus, at least the question here, what, what can we learn from that? Where does our own hope and faith in Jesus lead us? Does it take us uh, to doing audacious things, taking audacious steps? Does it lead us along risky paths? Do we bring that, that same sense of desperation that these people had in our own prayer life, in the needs that we have and in the needs of others? What can we learn from this, this really wonderful example of these people? who were unperturbed by, by the consequences of their actions. You know, perhaps they were builders, perhaps they promised to rebuild the roof, we don't know. But in that moment, they had the audacity to, to do something outrageous in order to bring their friend before Jesus, knowing, trusting that he would heal him. And in the event, Jesus did so much more. He turned to the man and addressed his fundamental need for the forgiveness of sin. As we reflect on this story, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great reminder of the wonderful faith that these people had. But ultimately, Lord, the reminder that you are interested in not just temporary healing, but eternal salvation. Help us to trust more fully in you. May we have the courage 
to be audacious in our own faith and hope. In Jesus' name.